eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue. blue. This, this is, pod, is for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Oh, here we go again. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast. And no, when I say here we go again, I'm not talking about the retirement of Tom Brady. I'm talking about another Knicks bungle at the end of a close game. Again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods. I'm EJ Stewart, joined by Tommy Beer. Tommy, uh, kind of speechless, kind of how that game ended last night between the Knicks and the Lakers. We'll get into that. Um, we'll talk about this this heat matchup coming up on Thursday, along with some other news and notes. But, man, really rough loss for the Knicks at, at home against the Lakers. Uh, a, a tough loss. Uh, that one hurt if you're, if you're a Knicks fan. That was a winnable game against the team that, yes, they have LeBron, yes, they have AD, but um, their depth is a major issue with a team that came into the contest five, six games below 500. Um, when you look ahead at the Knicks' schedule, 12 of the next four teams, uh, 12 of the next 14 games are against teams with uh, winning records, a um, lot of good teams, a lot of cream of the crop in the East in there. Um, this was a game you really wanted to get, and you had an opportunity to get, with 4.5 seconds left, um, yeah. an opportunity to win it. And the play they drew up, um, if you want to call it a play, um, <laughs> was not successful. And that was probably what we should lead the show with, EJ. What do you think? Yeah, let's get right to it. So, again, this is on your Blue Bloods New York Knicks podcast, now on YouTube and anywhere you can get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature and subscribe to the channel so you can get these episodes whenever we drop. We drop three times a week. This is episode two of this week. And let's get to this Knicks L. So Knicks fails to execute in crunch time leads to another crushing loss at home. The Lakers were able to outlast the Knicks 129-123, winning the game in overtime. The Lakers got out to a six-point lead late in the fourth quarter, but the Knicks stormed back to tie the game and had the ball with four seconds left and a chance to win at the end of regulation. But the team failed to get a shot off on a Julius Randle isolation to get to Anthony Davis as time expired. New York scored just one field goal in the first four minutes of overtime, leading to the tough loss. LeBron James, 28 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, 
another triple-double for the King. He also passed Mark Jackson and Steve Nash for fourth on the NBA's all-time assist list. Anthony Davis added 27 in the Lakers' win. For the Knicks, you had Jalen Brunson, who had another stellar game, 37 points, but was not given the ball at the end of the game in that final possession. So we'll certainly talk about that. Julius Randle did get the ball in that possession, had 23, but struggled offensively. He had a 6-for-19 shooting night. And another important note in this game, R.J. Barrett had sat the last 11 minutes and 51 seconds of this affair, declined to speak to the media after the game. So plenty of things to jump into from this very eventful game. Let's start with that final possession in regulation with the Knicks, four four seconds essentially, with the ball inbounding on the sidelines. What did you think of the last play? Yeah, I, I thought it was definitely inefficient. I mean, obviously, we start with the fact that they didn't get a shot off in, in, in you know, before time expired. That's inexcusable. It's inexplicable. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the way the play was drawn up or or the lack of, uh, you know, intricacies, you know, the, with the way the play was drawn up. Um, my first problem and biggest issue is with who got the ball. Um, Jalen Brunson, and I wrote about in the newsletter this morning, Jalen Brunson earned the opportunity to win that game last night. National TV, tons of celebrities at the Garden, league tuning in, LeBron less than 100 points away from passing Kareem, um, and Jalen Brunson again in crunch time put the team on his back. Four, four for four from the free throw line in the fourth quarter. Um, the last three buckets the Knicks had in regulation, Brunson either scored and or assisted on. Um, had that had that runner uh, to cut the lead to six, dish to Grimes to cut the lead to four, uh, to cut the lead to two rather. Had a, a, a had a floater himself um, uh, in the paint to tie it um, with a with a less than yep. a minute left, and then the Knicks needed to stop to give themselves an opportunity to win. Came over, drew a incredible charge on Anthony Davis as he was driving yeah. um, for a bucket. That's a game-saving charge, something we've seen Brunson do all year long, make winning plays. And that was a winning play to give the Knicks an opportunity to win the game. Now we, we flip over and we discuss the fact that on that final play, not only had Brunson been more efficient and effective that game, as you note, uh, Randall was six of 19, you know, through the first 48 minutes of that evening. Yep. Um, Brunson's been more efficient and effective, far more efficient and effective in the clutch all season long. Um, and so for, you know, if, if your biggest issue is, is you don't want to run with, um, you know, you're worried about Anthony Davis coming over and, 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 you know, stopping, um, you know, or, or rather LeBron James on Jalen Brunson, like that's what you're worried about. Um, then run a screen, run some action, any action yeah. that creates some yeah. space. You have IQ come over and run a, you know, one, two, uh, high pick and roll, um, and, and, and get LeBron in some action there. Um, but again, on the season, I, again, I looked it up this morning. The Knicks, uh, both Brunson and Randall, have played approximately 120 clutch minutes this season. That's what the NBA defines as any game, any as a point in any game where there's a differential of five points or less, and there's five or few minutes remaining. That's either fourth quarter or, or, or overtime. In those 120 minutes, Brunson has scored 105 points while shooting 47% from the floor, 
39% from deep and 84% from the free throw line and has dished out 12 assists and while committing just three turnovers. Randall, on the other hand, has scored 56 points while shooting 27% from the floor, 23% from downtown, and 73% from the free throw line. He has 13 assists, but 11 turnovers. Um, again, Brunson has earned the opportunity to win that game, yep. um, and he wasn't given it, and it, it cost the Knicks that, that final possession, and unsurprisingly cost them the momentum, and they got crushed in overtime, and it's another loss at home, and another time in which is in which Tom Thibodeau's lack of X and O's acumen cost the Knicks dearly. Yeah, it's funny. So, I, short story: I'm watching the game at the station with my good buddy Ryan Hickey, who, by the way, also on the Odyssey Network, he hosts the uh, Indianapolis Colts podcast here. And we're watching him this game. He's also a Knicks fan, and you get to that final possession. He, you know, knows that I'm the, I'm a, you know the guy who hosts the Knicks podcast on the Odyssey Network, and he's like, "All right, EJ, what are you drawing up here?" I'm like, "Well." I gave him like four options, uh, but it all included, you know, something with Jalen Brunson having the ball. I was like, you know, they could run like a, a you know, one, two with quickly, maybe, uh, maybe in case they want to get a switch or maybe they could just clear it out if they like the matchup and let Jalen Brunson go one on one. But I told them there were two things they had that they had to uh, keep Anthony Davis out of the action and avoid LeBron James and help. And somehow the Knicks failed at both. Both things I said, there's only thing they can't do. They cannot they cannot attack Andy Davis, and they need to avoid LeBron James with help because he's an excellent help defender. He is great with hands, great with steals, and he's going to be a problem defensively. So you have to keep him out of the action as well. And somehow the Knicks drew up a – I don't even want to call that a play. The fact that Tom Thibault keeps calling it a play is insulting to everybody's intelligence. He's back to gaslighting everybody again. He's in the postgame saying, oh, there are three options on the play. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Julius Randle posted up on the wing. Brunson gave him the ball, and nobody moved. Nope. No one moved. That's not a play. That's just you giving the inbounding the ball. And look, Julius Randle has to move that ball. If there's any slither, slither of bail you're gonna shoot, Tibbs, is that Randle made a terrible read. Uh, you're one on one with Davis, and then James comes over. The the read is clear. You escape dribble. You throw the ball out. You ball fake. You throw the ball out. Brunson's wide open. It's a quick decision. You don't got that much time, but he's a, he's a star player. He's paid to make that decision. But we know Julius Randle struggles in those moments. We have not seen Julius Randle make a big shot like that in the regular season for his entire career with the Knicks at this point in time, in terms of like an isolation clutch at the end of a regulation kind of play. So to go through that, and to put Julius in that situation, knowing that he had already struggled, and you're going up against what, literally one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Like, Anthony Davis is that great. And you're saying my play is to let Julius decide how to go one-on-one and attack Anthony Davis? I mean, Tibbs is stealing money. Like, he's paid millions of dollars to come up with a play that put the Knicks in the best position to win. Remember, it wasn't just a timeout that he had to draw something up. He had a review. That took way too long, by the way. He had a he had like two or three, four minutes on a review on the charge. To, they're still drawing up a play. They assume they're getting the ball back. And then he called the timeout. And you see him with the I don't know what he's drawing. What is he drawing on that clipboard? I need I need I need someone that had the whoever had the zoom lens camera that Pat Beverly had when he came on the court and had that technical file. I need someone that had a DSLR zoom to see what the hell Tibbs drew on that whiteboard. 
Tic-tac-toe. Maybe, maybe he was playing tic-tac-toe with one of the assistants, you think? Something like that? Yeah, or like it was a SpongeBob episode when he writes, you know, the, and it's just all, you know, cursive and all decorative uh, lettering. Like, that was, man, that, that, that play was inexcusable. And it's crazy to me because, like, while like we know Tibbs is not an X and X is no mastermind, like the first game of the season, they are down by three against Memphis. He draws up that master class play for Cam Reddish in the corner, and they get open three, and they send that game into overtime. Like, I know he could have drawn something better than that, and that's kind of what's frustrating about that last play. A hundred percent. And yes, Randall made the incorrect read, but as you know, we have three plus years of right. body of evidence here that Ra- you cannot trust Randall in those for everything Randall does 20, 20, 10 and five on a bad night on an inefficient game. There's a lot to love about Julius Randall and there are things that he struggles with and end game situations are bad. When guys come over and double, when, when, when two long players double them, he, very frequently doesn't see, um, even though he has the ability to throw a cross court pass, um, he just doesn't see it. Um, and I, that w- that was another situation last night where, worst case scenario, Brunson gets an open three. Even if uh, LeBron rushes back and gets to him in time, uh, down Brunson's downhill and, and gets right. in the pain and can shoot a floater. Um, so, but yeah, again, that's on you, uh, a good coach puts his best players in positions to succeed. And he did Julius Randle no favors by having him isolate against a tremendously talented and long defender with another great help defender coming over. Um, and we saw the result. And one of the things, just because you noted, um, and yeah. I meant to mention it as well, the length of these replays is getting out of hand. We had yeah. the we had the, the Anthony Davis charge one that took forever. And then the one in overtime on the, on the goaltend. It yeah. seemed like it took a millennium for them to make a decision. If it's that close, that means it's too close to overturn, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it, it was just it, it just ridiculous that that's something they need to work on. But um, that that that's another conversation for another day. Um, it, it, yes, uh, I totally agree with you on on the on the the the, uh, the failure of that that final play. Yeah, and on that Rui play, it almost looked like the they couldn't get the replay up for a while like i just kept seeing the replay center uh you know graphic on that monitor so it looked like there might have even been a technical issue that led oh, to okay. that delay because there was no replay happening i kept they were just standing there i'm like are they showing are they gonna look at the play like what's going on are they or i thought maybe they were arguing and we'll never know i don't know if they were arguing whether or not they could actually review it um because sometimes that comes in contention but there was a long time in that stretch where they weren't even actually looking at a replay it was okay. just a replay I, thing up and they were I, just standing there I was in the building, so the, every everyone in the crowd was like, "What is going on yeah. here?" So, um, right, yeah. But yeah, to to that point, the NBA is a billion dollar enterprise. The same goes for the NFL. If it's you know, well, there's a lot of games going on on a Tuesday night. Or, then have then then hire ten more people, so you have the worst case scenario. You have too many people, and and they're and some guys are twiddling their thumbs. Don't allow these these. I mean, it really kills the momentum of the game. It just makes for a bad product. That's something the NBA needs to work on and address immediately. Yeah, I'm also not crazy about goaltends that aren't the ball hitting the backboard being reviewable like that just on a fly. Like I think. If you wanted to give them a challenge, I, I get that. But yep. that's almost – I don't want to say it's a judgment call, but to me it kind of is. Like, it, it's kind of yes. a judgment call. It's like Because, you know, like to say that, okay, we're going to now look back at it. Like when the ball hits the backboard, yes, I think you should be able to review that because that's yep. clear. Yep. That one was so close, and it's like – it's really like some people – I thought it, he got it in time. A lot of people thought that it was it was about to come down. So, therefore, they should have 
gave Brunson the, the field goal. Like it, it's so bang bang. Like I just think you gotta let the person who calls on the on the on the court get that, that get that call. But the other big thing from this game outside of the Knicks, you know, failures and and, and executing again in overtime, which is just you know us beating a drum. Uh, Russell Westbrook, I thought, had a really good overtime um, and a really good fourth quarter. And I think a lot of the Lakers talked about that after the game. But R.J. Barrett sitting, you know, the last 11 minutes and 51 seconds of this game played none none of overtime, missed the last six seven minutes of the fourth quarter. He, I assume, wasn't happy because he declined to talk to reporters. Uh, as what's been noted by the people who cover the team, RJ is extremely accessible normally and does not do this kind of thing, win, lose, or draw. So RJ didn't want to talk after this game. It's another game where he sat a long period of time, did not finish this one. What did you make of that decision and and in what appears to be some discontent from RJ for sitting uh, the rest of this way? I did not have a problem with, with Tibbs sitting RJ Barrett. In fact, I, I thought it was the correct decision um, IQ is playing so well right now, um, so consistently, so productive, so efficient, just on both ends of the floor, just almost an invaluable piece. Um, as, as an aside, two games in a row now where the Knicks have come out very flat in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, Randall talked about it on Saturday night after the Nets game, basically saying we weren't ready. You know, we didn't come out with any fight on defense on, all, you know, one fight through screens weren't as crisp. That's not a good sign. And it was even worse uh, a Tuesday night against the Lakers um, scored five points in the first, basically eight minutes of the game yeah. um, that changed when IQ and, and Hardenstein was also playing really well. Um, credit yeah. to Hardenstein for really turning his season around um, over these last handful of games. Um, and it's very much needed because Sims was outclassed uh, against Anthony Davis last night. Yeah. Um, and, and I that, talked about that in the last episode, that, that Sims against Anthony Davis could be a problem, and it was. And it was a major problem. Sims yeah. has looked good in spurts, um, but since kind of being, you know, thrown at the deep end of the pool, he has not swam. You know, he's, he's sunk. Um, and just <laughs> last night was another one of those nights where you really miss Mitchell Robinson. Um, but yeah, yes, as, but I, I say that to to mention how the importance that IQ had on, in, you know, just changing the momentum, changing the, the kind of tenor of the game, um, his energy, his, his tenacity, especially on the defensive end, even when a shot's not falling positively impacts the game night after night after night after night um and he plays extremely well moments never too big um so i want him on the floor end of games um if you want to argue that that rj could have uh, eaten into grimes's minutes i can i can live with that argument um again uh grimes needs to start making shots we, we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks um credit to him yeah. uh, for again contributing had a beautiful dime to hartenstein uh, oh yeah oh yeah that was that was a that was a gem. Beautiful pass, um, and he and and, cons- and consistently, um, cause the shots not falling, um, he's attacking the basket more often. Got some dunks, got some layups, uh, fed some scorers. Um, but again, uh, over his last, uh, where's the numbers here? Over his the, over the next last five games, he's shooting thirty eight percent from the floor. Is seven of thirty one from downtown. That's twenty three percent. That's not going to cut it. During the stretch, it seems like he misses a like huge momentum generating shot at least once a night, um, especially of late. He's one of 10 in the fourth quarter and overtime during that five game stretch. Um, so he, he, he needs to knock down those shots, but again, he, at least he brings it to you um, uh, on the defensive end when, when the shot's not dropping. 
Um, the situation with Barrett, as inefficient as he was offensively, he's five for 13 last night. He was just as bad on the defensive end, allowed a couple straight line drives by Westbrook. Um, just, you know, didn't look like kind of sharp and, and didn't look tuned in. Um, so if he's not if he's not scoring and he and he does go stretches that first quarter in particular, when he looked invisible, um, he's not going to help you much on the defensive end. I have no problem with him sitting in the fourth quarter and kind of earning those minutes um, at some point in time, given as well as IQ is playing and as and RJ not quite living up to the standard that a lot of fans had hoped it might be worth having a conversation is RJ better suited for the six man role. Um, you know, I guess we'll, we'll talk about that at, at some point in the future. Um, but as far as last night goes, I don't have a problem with, with Barrett sitting. Um, it will be interesting to see how he handles the media. Uh, if he talks after practice today or, or before Thursday's game or after Thursday's game, um, to RJ's credit, he's been a complete consummate professional since the moment he arrived in New York as a 19 year old, not everybody can handle that. Um, so I'm not going to get on him for, um, kind of bailing on the media last night. We'll see how he handles it later this week. Yeah, I, I was I, I echoed that last point about RJ. I'm not gonna go crazy about him, you know, not talking to media after that game. Sometimes it's best you probably don't. You may say something crazy. Uh, you know, he probably realized he had a rough game, but also wanted to play. So if he comes out and says something about not getting playing time, that becomes a whole controversy. So um hopefully he get he he takes that accountability next time he he does speak. Cause I, I was on Julius Randle when he went on that month and a half stretch where he decided he just was never going to talk to the media, which was ridiculous. RJ's never done that. So, and he stood and took those answers and questions from the media during that rough Nick stretch last season. So I'm giving him a, a pass there for sure. The decision to sit RJ is a tough one because like you said, his defense is, is slipping so much that even when Grimes isn't making shots, it's still a decision to make as to whether or not you sit him over Barrett, because if Barrett's not scoring, he's a minus defensively. Now, I, I do feel like at time, like the Lakers were a, a tricky matchup in the sense that, you know, because they didn't want to put Brunson on uh, on on Russell Westbrook, that means somebody has to guard him. So that 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 guy ended up being R.J. Barrett for portions of this game, and Barrett's too slow. Uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, this guy who's a declining player at this point in his career, um, has had moments this year come off the bench where he's played well, but has been very erratic for most of the season, and Barrett could not stay in front of him. So there you got to make a decision. Are, are you going to uh, uh, wait for Barrett to start making shots? Now he's had games where he goes, you know, one for eight and then makes his last nine shots. Like maybe on Barrett's side, he's thinking, Low, yo, like, let me keep playing. Like I've shown just like in the Boston game, we finally threw him back in there. I had to get biggest three in the game or in other games uh, over the course of my career that I can make plays even when I'm struggling. Um, but at the end of the day, it's tough when you're in those decisions and you see him struggling and you know he can't guard anybody on the court, at least anybody that he would have to be posted up against. So, yeah, Barrett's got to defend better. It's very simple. I mean, I think if he defends at the level that he's shown he's capable of in the past, then he has no concerns about playing at the end of the games. Um, I, I do think that some of these rotations, though, have to be tweaked. Because you had a stretch there where Emmanuel quickly is now playing, you know, 14, 15 straight minutes because of just how the rotations are. And, and to me, that just isn't smart just for just basic trying to get the most out of these players uh, for that time they're playing. So maybe there's a beef there with, for RJ where you can say, look, the way you're managing these minutes is kind of stupid. And it's, you know, allowing me to sit 11 minutes and other guys play 15, 16 straight minutes. Isaiah Hardenstein played 17 straight minutes at, at a certain point. I think there has to be some adjustment there, but um, 
it, it, until RJ starts defending consistently, I think this is going to be something that is going to be uh, a, a thing for the Knicks every game. And it's crazy. I didn't think that this would be the case. But uh, but his defense was that bad last night, and I understood why he didn't play. Yeah, it and it's it is definitely concerning that we're you know what fifty games into the season right now, and it's not shocking that that Barrett is on the bench at, at in fourth quarter. You know, some somebody on Twitter posted, you know, one year ago he had that great game against the Lakers, and now he he yeah. kind of finds himself on the outside of the rotation um, in, in crunch time. So um, part of that is due to the fact that how well and how indispensable IQ and Grimes have made themselves. The other side of the coin is that RJ has not progressed, especially on the defensive end, um, and even efficiency-wise, as as the Knicks front office and coaching staff certainly would have hoped. Yeah, yeah, I I do think that, and and, and then comes the question of you know is that a great is that a larger concern moving forward for RJ who just signed a new extension, um, that you know he's a player at this point in his career that there's a question of whether or not he's going to close a game or not. I, I think I think I'm gonna hold on those conversations until we kind of see how the season ends for me. Like I think it's too early to kind of jump to, to that conclusion where or maybe they shouldn't have given him this extension. Um because this could end up being a short-lived thing. Like maybe he turns it around defensively and then we don't have these conversations in a month, you know. <laughs> As, as far as the extensions, I'm not overly concerned about the extension. It, it, again, I think it's really important to keep in mind that the cap is about to rise exponentially. Um, you got the TV, right. the NBA's TV contract ending soon. Cap is going to increase dramatically. Um, it, most likely, you know, looking ahead, projecting ahead, uh, Barrett's going to be 18%, 17% of the next total cap. And even at a, at a, you know, 75% of what he was last year, um, he's still a starting player, still a good NBA rotation, you know, at worst an average rotation player above average offensively. Um, He'll knock down shots. It was just, you know, a few games ago, he knocked down that big corner three off the Brunson pass, um, you know, that they needed. As you know, he's had plenty of games where he's been awful for the first like 44 minutes and we'll go on a stretch in in the second half that that really turned things around. Seemed to get it going a little bit in the third quarter last night after a terrible first half. So um, I'm not overly concerned about R.J. Barrett, you know, long term in in terms of in relation to that that, that contract extension um, because I think he's a useful player. Um, He's going to work hard. He's going to work on things he needs to improve. Plays the right way, handles himself professionally, etc. Um, so I'm not overly concerned about that, but I think you it is fair to question whether he's going to reach his ultimate upside. But again, I think that that him settling for that, and, and I say settling because it was far less than the max, was you know it was was an, a, an acknowledgement by both sides that you know his his ultimate you know star level may not may not be reached, but I still like the floor that Barrett brings the brings you know on a, on a nightly basis. Yeah, I, I do agree with that as well. Knicks lose this one. Well, uh, one other interesting note uh, before I, I move on about that game and RJ in particular was, and I know you were at the game, so I was listening to the game in parts because I was at work, so there were times where I could listen, times I couldn't. But um, at one point, Jim Jackson had said something along the lines that, you know, the Knicks coaching staff felt like RJ really hasn't been up to the same level he was pre the finger injury, and that they're also waiting for him to kind of get back to that level which was surprising to me i hadn't heard tibbs say that to the knicks press corps at any point but you know of course they do these you know pre-production meetings where they talk to these coaches so in this conversation i guess tibbs had mentioned that they don't he doesn't feel like barrett is really not i won't say not 100 but i think he's not up to i guess 
in the right kind of shape or in the right kind of, uh, you know, game conditioning since the injury. So that's the first time I had heard that. Maybe that has something to do with why he's not closing these games either. I think that that was important to note um, in that one. So Knicks lose. Uh, they now turn their attention to Thursday night where the Knicks will be back in action at Madison Square Garden when the Miami Heat come to town. Of course, uh, plenty of great memories and, and, uh, about the Miami Heat rivalry, Knicks and Heat. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Had some classics back in the late 90s, early 2000s. This is the first matchup between the Knicks and Heat this season. The Heat earned a hard-fought win over the Cavs in Cleveland Tuesday night. The win moved Miami two games ahead of New York for the sixth seed in the East. as the important spot. That is the final spot that avoids the play-in tournament. So, Tommy, how does New York stack up with Miami in this one? Yeah, I mean, listen, Miami coming off, the, you know, they, they started out the season slowly, um, but playing much better of late. Uh, four that won four of their last five. Their their one slip up uh, was a bad loss to the Hornets, but um, yep. have recently beaten the Pelicans, the Celtics, uh, the Magic Corps playing a lot better of late. Um, and they're, you know, so they were in the middle of a road trip. Um, but you, you, you basically know what you're going to get, you know, from Miami, a well-coached team, um, coach Spo was going to have his team prepared. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler's, you know, we've seen him play at an extremely high level for a long time. Tyler heroes having the best season of his career. Um, bam out of bio, you know, we mentioned how Sims, you know, would need to step up against Anthony Davis against the Lakers and fail to do so. Bam's another nightmare matchup for any big in the NBA. Um, Sims, a little more yeah. suited to deal with the physicality that Bam brings to the table as opposed to the agility and, and long-range shooting um, that AD relies on. So it's a bit of a better matchup. Um, but, you know, given how how many minutes uh, Hartenstein logged on, on Tuesday, they need Sims to, to, to at least hold his own. Um, Sims was minus 16 in the 13 minutes he played Tuesday night, which was, you know, just backbreaking. Um, so, you know, a, a, you know, deep team, uh, Oladipo gives you some, some offensive off the bench, um, Gabe Vincent, uh, Struess, um, you know, so, so, you, you know, you basically know what the, the, the Heat are going to do. They're not going to beat themselves. Um, they're going to compete defensively, um, you know, basically play efficient offensive basketball. Um, and the Knicks need to get back on track. Another home game. Um, Knicks are two games below 500 uh, at home this yep. season. It looked like they'd make it some progress. Now another step back. The other thing I think it's worth noting with Miami, um, the Heat's impressive victory uh, in Cleveland last night, coupled with the Knicks' loss, means the Knicks are now two games back, as you know. Um, yeah. You know of Miami. These two teams play each other four times over the next two months. I think you, the, you know, looking at the the big picture. 
in order to, you know, if the Knicks have any hope of, of climbing into that six seed from, from, you know, from their seventh spot right now, they probably have to win three of those four games, because if you don't, then you, then you don't have the tiebreaker. Um, and again, just in terms of, you know, those games are basically count as two games um, in the standings. So th- these games take on added importance. Um, you know, you don't want to look too far ahead. Um, Knicks still have to survive without Mitchell Robinson, get to the all-star break, et cetera. Um, but again, if you do have designs on capturing that six seed, these games take on added importance. Yeah, this one's a big one. Um, and that's why the Knicks are going to have to really turn the page from uh, what was another you know, big game on Tuesday is TNT is LeBron James. You know, he's chasing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So there's a lot of attention to that game. But like far as the standings go or anything like that, you know, the Lakers are in the West. They're not a championship team or anything like that. You know, really, this one is a game that you really have to make sure you're, you're clued in. So, one, you can't have these these bad first quarters, as you mentioned, and two in a row. And just two games in a row where I just thought it was, like, overall kind of just uninspired play. Like, I just felt like watching those past two games, um, there were long stretches where they couldn't get any stops. Then there's long stretches where they can't score. I mean, the Lakers made their first nine shots, I think, in, in the fourth quarter. It was insane. Um, the Knicks were lucky to be in the game because they kept scoring. But like, and in in the in the Nets game, they go long stretches where they can't score, uh, and then at the end of the game when they are scoring, they can't stop Kyrie. One hundred percent. One quick note on the on the uh, on the Lakers game, which is crazy. The one bucket Obi Toppin had, who again played less than ten minutes, and again it looks more yeah. clear by the day that the Knicks. I think they really should seriously consider trading him before next week's deadline because it just he doesn't have a place in the, in the Knicks rotation. If Tibbs and Randall are here, I just don't see how he gets to you know he needs to get to twelve first before he gets to fifteen, let alone twenty. Um, it just doesn't. He just he, he's he's a non-factor. And if you have invested an eighth overall pick in, in someone who doesn't contribute on a consistent basis, um, you have to reassess uh, on prioritize you know different and you and and then yeah. you have you know the rest of the guys playing forty plus minutes because you don't have any wing depth um there's a lot there um i say that to say this obi's lone bucket was a three-pointer with about 230 left in the third quarter that was the last three-pointer the knicks made they went 0 of 10 from behind the arc in the fourth quarter and overtime and at the end of the third you can't win nba games that way so um shot making needs to improve um but yes that 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 that's something you know you, you talk about the the stretches um that that you know you, you can't allow the the offensive stagnation and the other thing is the Knicks were, uh, I'm, I think they were favored in Brooklyn. I know they were favored by a point and a half last night. I don't know when the Knicks are going to be favored again, as as I noted. Um, you got the Heat, then you got the Clippers on Saturday. Who knows what Kawhi and Paul George and those guys. But then you got the Sixers. Um, you know, again, 12 of the next 14 teams have a are at 500 or have a winning record. The only two teams that don't have a winning record are the Magic, who are playing much better of late, and the Wizards, yeah. who have won six in a row. So there are not many easy games in the schedule. That's why these last two losses, as you know, these last two losses that they didn't come out and play inspired basketball really sting um, because there, there are not many um, you know games you can check off as, as winnable contests going forward. And you can't play that kind of uninspired ball against a team like Miami, a team that's a very uh, detail-oriented, a team that always comes out and plays hard, a team that, you know, is not going to beat themselves. You know, a team that you know is going to play at a certain level. Like, you know, they may not always play at a 10, but you know that you're going to get a 7 or 8 every time. So um, you know that your your C game is never going to beat Miami. Your B-minus game probably never going to beat Miami. You need a B-plus to an A every time you play against Miami in order to win. So the Knicks are going to have to play a lot, a lot better than what we've seen in the last 
two games. Um, how do you feel like at this point? You mentioned, you know, the fact that they're two games back. They have these four games with Miami. It's it's not early in the season anymore. We can't keep saying that. Now we're past the midway point. You know, we're in kind of the thick of it now. Uh, at this point in the season, do you still feel like it is realistic to suggest that um, to suggest that Miami could uh, the Knicks could catch Miami for that sixth spot? Like the way it's shaking out, it seems like those top five teams are pretty much set. Maybe someone could argue that Cleveland falls a six, but I think most likely you're looking at um, Miami in that six spot. So it's really this is the team you're, you're chasing. You're going to be chasing this team probably the rest of the way. Do you feel like the Knicks, based on what you've seen, have a realistic shot to get to that sixth spot? Or do you feel like a trade is going to have to happen for them to 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 catch Miami? Yeah, I don't see it. Status quo, you know, again, the heat are trending in the right direction. You know, Knicks are at best plateauing. And, you know, I think we can, you know, there's a, a dip on, on the on the horizon. Um, this season has been so weird that I feel, um, you know, foolish, you know, prognosticating anything at this point. But I certainly think yeah. um, there's a much greater chance that the Knicks slip to seven or eight, uh, eight or nine than they do jump up to six. Um, you know, again, as you know, the top four teams are locked in the fifth, you know, again, the Cavs could, you know, something weird could go on. You get an injury again, obviously injuries can change anything. Um, right. but again, Miami with the two game lead, the Knicks, another, you know, seven or eight games without Mitchell Robinson, their, their players again, you know, another overtime game last night, which, you know, you, you got 42 minutes for Brunson and 44 for him. These, these minutes are going to start to wear down. Um, you will see how, how they can kind of handle it. If there's a trade that they, they bring some guys in, does RJ kind of turn things around? That'll obviously be important. Um, I think the Knicks have shown enough fight and, and, you know, even when times get dark and the five game losing streak and then the four game losing streak, they bounce back with some really impressive wins, um, that kind of buoys the floor and, you know, that won't allow them to sink too far. Um, but I think it's, I don't want to say unrealistic, but I think it's certainly less than 50% chance that they do catch Miami, um, you know, given the talent on, on the Miami sideline, the coaching staff. Um, but if they, again, if they are going to catch Miami, these head-to-head matchups um, will, will be critical in that, in that race. Um, so, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll reassess it later in the week on our next pod. Um, but uh, if, yeah. especially if they lose this game full three games behind and, and are, you know, behind in the tiebreaker situation, um, it's difficult to envision New York making the leap back into that, that, that coveted six spot. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough sliding for New York. I really do. I think that Miami is a team that typically they do this, you know, maybe early in the season, midway point of the season, they're kind of, you know, slugging through, knowing that they kind of have, uh, you know, a, a bigger picture at the end where, you know, you need a title. Um, when you get to this point and you're playing Miami at this point in the season, I just don't think you're going to get a lot of gimmies from them. Like I said, they play at a constant seven or eight every time. Um, you're not going to get a, a three out of Miami. So, you know, in order for them to catch them, that Miami's going to get that as an A, beat up on Miami in these four games, which uh, I don't think is going to be – it's not going to be easy. You know, could they split? Maybe, but then you're still leaving, you know. Um, and two – or two, Miami has to really fall in some major trouble with the rest of their schedule. I don't have the rest of the schedule in front of me, so I'm not sure whether it's difficult or easy. But, again, knowing kind of Miami and, and their attention to detail and knowing how important it is to stay out of that plane, it would shock me if they just – fell apart at parts in the season and went on a five, six game loser streak to allow Knicks to get back into that six spot. So it's going to be tough, especially not having Mitchell Robinson for you, you assume yeah. like, a, you know, another month, like it's, it's going to be real tough for the Knicks. I, I, again, of course, I'm hoping that they can find a way to get it done, but 
I think that's why it's going to be crucial for the Knicks when they get to this trade deadline, we will talk about soon. Like they got to decide like how important is the six seed thing? Like, yeah, we know it's important, obviously just in the sense of like, you won't want to play in the plane. You want to make the playoffs, but like, are you making a trade just to catch Miami? Cause that's essentially to me what you would be doing. If you're talking about making a, a major trade, this trade deadline, now you can say, well, the, the building block you may get will be good down the line. That is true. But I just think you want to be wary of watching that loss from the Laker game and say, okay, now we have to give up that another pick for OG Newby because we now we're two games back of the heat. Like I, I would be very cautious of thinking that way. One, you still might not catch them. And two, uh, how important is, is getting a sixth seed in this one season when you're trying to build towards a championship? Totally. Um, uh, just to, to follow up on that, uh, Knicks have the third toughest remaining strength of schedule. Yep. All teams, the NBA, uh, Miami is 12th, you know, so so kind of near the middle of pack. But, yeah, as as we know, Knicks, um, four more games against the Heat, two more games against the Celtics, two more games against the 76ers, two more games against the Nets. Um, those are those are difficult matchups uh, against. They, they haven't really played the cream of the crop in the East. Um, you know, there, there's still a lot of games left against those those top teams. And that's, you know, the Nets with KD most likely. And, um, you know, if the Sixers stay healthy. So. Certainly something to uh to keep an eye on. Knicks Heat Thursday, um, 7 30, back on regular MSG network. So for those that were uh getting growing tired of the national broadcast, at ease, Clyde Frazier will be back. Uh, I'm not sure if Mike Breen will be back. He should be actually because it's Thursday game. So you should have Breen and, and Clyde back on Thursday. So uh fun for Nick fans there. But um, let's get some other uh news and notes regarding Knicks before we get out of here. So let's start with Ian Bagley of SNY. He reports that the Knicks are among several teams interested in Pistons forward Sadiq Bay. Uh, Bagley notes that the Knicks are, and the Pistons have a history of making trades in recent years. Uh, of course, you had the um, Derrick Rose trade in the first year, Leon Rozier's first full year as uh, as president. You had the Alec Burks and Nerno's Noel and Kimball Walker trades and all the stuff that happened during the draft. So. Uh, this is a front do front office that have familiarity. Weaver has a long relationship with Scott Perry, so there could be interest there. Bay, uh, 14 points per game, shooting 40% from the field, 34% from three this season. So that's a name that's now attached to the Knicks. Michael Scott of Hoops Hype is reporting the Knicks are still keeping tabs on jazz guard Malik Beasley. Scott notes that the current regime was interested in Beasley before he signed a four year extension with the T Wolves three years ago. At that time, Minnesota was being run by Gerson Rosas who is now currently in the Knicks front office. So Knicks, apparently fans of Malik Beasley's game, could still be in on him. And outside of trade rumors, uh, congratulations to Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes is headed to All-Star Weekend. He was selected to the NBA's Rising Stars game. Grimes, who is in his second season, was among 21 NBA players selected to participate. There are uh, about six or seven G League guys who were also playing in that uh, in that affair. On Thursday, we will learn if Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson will be joining him in Utah as the NBA will renounce its reserves for the all-star game then. So let's start off with the trade stuff. Beasley and Bay, two names most recently linked outside of OG Ananumi to the Knicks. I think these names sound more realistic to me than Ananumi, given the price that it might cost for OG. Do you have a preference between Bay and Beasley? Slightly different players, but I think if the Knicks make a trade, I think it's probably one or the other. I'll be surprised they get both. Right. 
Um, I think if the Knicks trade for Bay, I, I think that tells you even further where they view Obi Toppin in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, because you, you assume Bay will probably play that backup four, could play some three, um, but you know he's he's played primarily you know power forward spot with the Pistons. Um, so it's just it's it's really difficult. You know maybe there's a trade involved where Obi going out and and Bay coming back. Um, the advantage Bay gives you is a little bit more of a shooter. Um, a little bit more of a, a score from behind the arc than Obi, even though Obi obviously has improved. Um, but essentially, the way that the Knicks use Obi Toppin, Bay would is more suited to play that role to stand you're in the right corner and shoot yeah. three pointers. Um, so if you're not going to put Obi in a position to succeed, if you're not going to get him out in transition, you're not going to push the pace. Um, if you're not going to feed him on cuts and, and, and things along those lines, feed him the ball in the post, um, then Bay's a guy that's better suited to make the most of those opportunities. I think in terms of what the Knicks need, um, Beasley probably is, is, you know, is probably a better fit, you know, can play some, is obviously a, a two or three, can play some wing. Um, Knicks have limited depth back there and also need three-point shooting. Um, you know, we mentioned their three-point struggles last night. They're down to uh, 26th in the NBA in three-point percentage this season. Um, it's difficult to win consistently um, without consi- with, without a, a above-average three-point shooting team, as as the Knicks are finding out. Um, so that's something that that Beasley would immediately, in, you know, would bring to the table. Um, Bay is also, you know, a talented shooter, um, but Beasley's kind of made his bones in this league at, at, as being a marksman. Yeah, it's. It's funny. I didn't really jump to the to the top end being expendable if you get Bay because Bay can play some small ball four. I think if he came here, I think he's replacing Reddick in the. I mean, excuse me, Reddick, Jesus, Reddish in the rotation. I would look at him more as a wing because uh, he, you know, he does play a lot of three for the Pistons as well. He's not gonna give you any minutes at the two, but like we've been talking about how they're kind of missing that three man combo forward guy who play three four in the team, and because they're not playing Cam Reddish. So getting that guy would be crucial. So I, I think that he would probably fit more there where I think he's playing alongside, uh, you know, Big Pride and IQ off the bench as opposed to having to play RJ um, those minutes with those guys so often. So I, I think if you're talking about that, I may I may go with Bay because I think Bay may have a little bit. Um, one, I think he has a little bit more defensive versatility. He's a little bigger. Maybe Beasley's about 6'4", six, 6'4 four, six, four So um, you get, you're kind of getting another guy similar size, Quentin Grimes, who – you know, really isn't equipped to really guard threes either. So I think the Knicks, you know, one of the problems I think they had in that game against the Lakers. Now, of course, LeBron James uh, is, you know, uh, is a one-on-one. But, like, Jules Randle had to play all those minutes because the, the Knicks decided that they were going to put no one else on him. I mean, it was a stretch in the fourth quarter where he actually took Randle out of the game. He took Randle with Andre and talking about Tibbs out of the game just because LeBron came out, which I actually thought was smart because, like, oh, actually he's getting some minutes here for, for Randle, which was – Good, and, but then and, and, and Randall picked up his fourth foul early in the fourth. Right, too. Randall picked up his fourth foul also. Uh, but then once James came back in, which maybe was about two minutes, like Randall came back in, you kind of see Obi's face, like, oh my god, like you yeah. can't put me in for two minutes. Like you know, Randall had been struggling offensively, so I actually thought maybe he was pulling him just because he wasn't giving the Knicks anything. You would hope that with with a trade like with a move like this with Bay, maybe you have a little more flexibility where you can put Bay on a guy like LeBron James. And I'm not saying he's going to stop him, but he's a body, you know, whereas Obi Toppin, they didn't want really LeBron having any time on Obi Toppin, at least no extended time for right. Obi. So uh, I kind of see the fit there with Bay. Um, but either guy I think would be fine. In some ways, I kind of would prefer one of these trades as opposed to giving up a lot of first-round picks for 
uh, OG Anubi because I just think that there may be a chance to get a, a bigger fish, uh, and I'd like to have as many assets as you can. So um, I, I was cool with either of these names when they came up. I do uh, want to ask you about uh, the thoughts on Grimes making the Rising Stars game. Yeah, I, I, obviously, I think he deserves it. Um, when, you, when you talk about, um, you know, just his production on both ends of the floor, uh, especially since he entered the starting lineup, was it was a key factor in the Knicks kind of turning their season around. Um, so I'm excited for him to get the opportunity. I also think I also think it's cool that um, the NBA is including the G League guys um, yeah. in the in the in the Rising Stars game, in particular Scoot Henderson. Um, for fans that haven't got a chance to see him much in the G League or or see him in that that back to back set that they played against Wembayana's uh, France uh, team. Um, Henderson is the kind of universal number two overall pick um, and would go number one in most years, if not for the um, incredibly unique Wimbayana. Um, So I'm very interested to see, you know, kind of how Scoot shows out against those guys. And it looks like they're doing a little something interesting. The four teams, um, the, you, yep. know, the, you know, and they're in the, so they'll have play like, you know, games to 40, essentially. It looks like kind of a Elam ending type yeah. thing. Um, so it'll be cool to, to, to see how all that plays out. Yeah, they did this uh, last season was the first year they did this, uh, you know, kind of mini tournament. And it was it was really fun. I mean, the rising people think the All-Star game is bad. I mean, the Rising Stars Challenge has been just dreadful recent. just absolutely no defense being played in these games. So they, they found a way to spice it up. And I, I watched, you know, I again, as I said, I'm an All-Star game fundamentalist. So I watched, you know, every minute of the Rising Stars Challenge last year. And I thought it was awesome. Like it was I was like, wow, this is way better than what I'm used to watching. So uh, the fact that we get to see Quentin Grimes go out there and, and play with a lot of these other young players, it's just really nice to kind of just look at that list of players. Like there are a lot of really guys that are, you know, obviously Scoot Henderson, of course, maybe a phenom of playing from the G League. But some of the other guys just that are just rookies or sophomores that are on that list and see Quentin Grimes' name on there, uh, it kind of lets you know that, hey, you know, Knicks do have a guy that is a true building block and, yes. and a guy who could be – Somebody who, who who's here when the Knicks finally turn this thing around. So, congrats, Quentin Grimes. Before, I, yeah, go ahead. Interestingly, two years the Knicks nailed that twenty fifth pick and IQ and Grimes. Um, both those guys will be drafted in the top ten should they do redraft. So that's a feather in the hat of the front office. Also, IQ and Grimes were on on that tree of that of the Kristaps Porzingis trade, who's the anniversary of was yesterday. Um, the, the 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 picks that they got were you know were part and parcel of you know funnel down from from that trade um so uh you know it's, it's something worth noting yeah and finally i'll give you uh yes or no on two of these uh one will the knicks have an all-star yes or no yes will they have two yes or no not on thursday i think uh oh I'll, I'll, yeah so so uh, no i'll say no on as of you know 48 hours from now so no, but then there will be a replacement. So I now think- I got who's it? So who do you think gets in the original way, and who do you think kind of gets put in as a commissioner's pick? Again, it's somebody that you have, uh, um, you know, enlightened the people on. There is very important to note the structure yeah. in which players get selected to the old. It's not the ten best players. It's not the you know the eight best reserves. It's it, again, it's just. Uh, you know, it's it's by fo- it's by forward slash center, so bigs and guards. The competition for the guards are so heavy that I think Brunson's going to get left off. I think Randall's going to make it. 
Um, even though I, I personally believe Brunson's more valuable to the team. Um, and if the Knicks could only have one representative, I think it probably should be Brunson. But again, that's not the way it works. Um, this is not like baseball where you pick yeah. one guy to represent the team and that, you know, it doesn't matter if he's a reliever or a second baseman. Right. Um, it's a forward spot, you know, the, 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 the players that are choosing the reserve roles, um, the, it has to be, you know, they have to rely, you know, based on those, on those, on those, on those, on that format, I think Randall gets in and I think Brunson, uh, you know, gets, gets named later. Um, but I think Randall on Thursday, Thursday is when they announce the, the reserve, yep. correct? I think yep. Randall will be an all-star Thursday. Um, and Brunson may have to wait his turn a little bit. I'm going to say that they, I'm going to say both these guys get in. Okay. And maybe it's on wishing on a wish, but I think one, I think, you know, I, I really do think that game they had last week with the Celtics, I think could have definitely swayed some people. That's a big game. Everybody's watching Brunson and Randall were just boogieing in that game. And, and then that probably is one of the last games they people saw the coaches saw before they put their votes in. So I'm going to say that, that Brunson may get the last spot. I think it's going to be tight. I think Randall definitely gets in, but I think Brunson is going to be one that's, going to be tricky there's just so many imperfections with some of these other guards he's going up against james harden missed a bunch of time uh you know so i, I think that people will look at brunson's overall totality and see what he's done and see what the knicks have been now that he's on the team and i think the coaches will value that more than maybe the media and the fans have uh you know fan not nick fans of course but fans right. of I, I don't disagree with you i think he's definitely deserving i also couldn't help but think one of the re other reasons i was annoyed that brunson get, didn't get an opportunity to get the ball right. in his hands with four seconds last night uh, on Tuesday night against the Lakers was um, if he had hit a game winner against LeBron at the garden, a day, you know, two days before the announced, I think that would almost have locked him in. Um, Cause that's the one thing he doesn't yet have on his Knicks resume is kind of a buzzer beater game winner. Um, and I thought it would have been cool for him to, to, for that kind of be his crowning all-star moment. Um, so that was, that was frustrating, but I, you certainly can make a very strong case that Jalen Brunson deserves to be an all-star. Yeah, I believe in my heart of hearts that if he gets that ball in that last play that they win. I don't know why. Maybe it's it's unfair to say that, and probably right. is. But just the the way he was playing that last minute, I just I was like, there the, he's either gonna get fouled or he's gonna yes. score. I just thought yeah. there was no way the Lakers are gonna stop him. So the fact that he didn't get the ball again is just unbelievable to me. But I think that's where we're gonna wrap it here. So thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Orange and Blue Buzz podcast, a podcast you can get. Wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app, make sure you hit the, the auto-download feature so you can get these podcasts every time we drop. And also make sure you check us out on YouTube. We are now on the Odyssey sports page. Make sure you guys check us out on YouTube as well so you can see our handsome faces along with this great analysis. Tommy Beer, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. That will do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.